Hey, this is Craig Cannon, and you're listening to Y Combinator's podcast. Today's episode is with Doug Eck. Doug's a research scientist at Google, and he's working on Magenta, which is a project making music and art through machine learning. Their goal is to basically create open source tools and models that help creative people be even more creative. So if you want to learn more about Magenta or get started using it, you can check out magenta.tensorflow.org. All right, here we go. I wanted to start with the um, the quote that you ended your IO talk with, because uh, I feel like that might be helpful for some folks. Um, so it's a Brian Eno quote, and uh, I will have the slightly longer version. Yeah, uh, okay, good. Yeah. So yeah, it, it goes like this. Um, Whatever you now find weird, ugly, uncomfortable, and nasty about a new medium will surely become its signature. CD, CD distortion, the jitteriness of digital video, the crap sound of 8-bit, all of these will be cherished and emulated as soon as they can be avoided. It's the sound of failure. So much modern art is the sound of things going out of control, out of a medium pushing to its limits and breaking apart. So that's how you ended your IO talk. Correct. And what it kind of opened up for me was, like, what... When you're thinking about creating Magenta and all the projects therein as new mediums, how are you thinking about like how are you thinking about what's going to be broken and what's going to be created? The reason that I put that quote there, I think, is to to be honest with the uh, the division between engineering and research and and artistry, and to not think that what I'm doing is being a a machine learning artist, but we're trying to build interesting ways to make new kinds of art. And I think, you know, it occurred to me, I read that quote and I thought, you know, that's it, right? No matter how hard Eastman or whomever invented the, the film camera, I'm sorry if that's the wrong person, right? <laughs> um, like they clearly weren't thinking of breakage or they're trying to avoid certain kinds of breakage. I mean, you know, guitar amplifiers aren't supposed to distort, you know, and, and I, you know, I thought, well, what if we do that with machine learning? Like, like models that are like the first thing you're going to do if you think if, if someone comes to you and says here's this really smart model that you can make art with mm -hmm. what are you going to do you're going to try to show the world that it's a stupid model right mm -hmm. but maybe the way that maybe it's smart enough that it's kind of hard to make it stupid mm. so you get to have a lot of fun making it stupid right i was playing with a quick draw this morning with my girlfriend and um what she was trying to do was make the most accurate picture that the computer wouldn't recognize like immediately out of the gate she works in art and like yeah doesn't want to believe that's right. It's a good, it's a good intuition. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe the best ways to start is then talk about like, what are you working on right now? What are you guys making? So right now we're working on, God, let me think. It's a good question. Um, we have this project called Nsynth, which is um, trying to get deep learning models to generate new sounds. And uh, we're working on um, a number of ways to make that better. I think one way to think about it is we have these, um, we have this latent space. We have a, um, so to make that a little bit less a buzzword, we have a kind of compressed space, a space that doesn't have the ability to memorize the original audio, but it's set up in such a way that we can try to regenerate some of that audio. And in regenerating it, we don't get back exactly what we started with, but hopefully we get something close. Mm -hmm. And that space is set up so that we can move around in that space in, and come into to, to new points in that space and actually listen to what's there. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's uh, quite slow. To, to listen, so to speak. We're not able to do things in real time. And um, we also would love to be at kind of a meta level, building models that can generate those embeddings, having trained on other data, mm -hmm. so that you're able to move around in that space in different ways. And so we're kind of moving, we're continuing to work with with um, with sound generation for, um, for music. And we also um, are spending quite a bit of time on uh, rethinking the music sequence generation work that we're doing. We put out some models that were, you know, 
by any reasonable account primitive. I mean, kind of very simple recurrent neural networks that um, that generate uh, MIDI from MIDI, mm-hmm. and that maybe use attention, that maybe um, you know have a little bit smarter ways to sample as when 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 doing inference when generating. Um, and now we're actually taking seriously. Wait a minute. What if we really look at large data sets of performed music? What if we actually start to care about expressive timing and dynamics, care deeply about polyphony, and and really care about like not putting out kind of what you would consider a simple reference model, but actually what we think is super good. Mm. And and I think you know that those are the things we're focusing on. I think we're trying to actually make things you know really pull up quality and uh, and and make things that are better and more usable for for people. And so with all of that supervised learning, are you like, are you going to create a web app that people will evaluate how good the music is? Because I I heard a couple interviews with you before where that was the issue, right? Like, how do you know what's good? Yeah. Uh, The, so that is like the, the, I'm pausing because that's the big question I think in my mind is how do we evaluate these models? Yeah. Um, I, at least for Magenta, I haven't felt like the quality of of what we've been generating has been good enough to bother so to speak like like you find it you cherry pick you find some good things you're like okay this model trains mm-hmm. and it's interesting and now we kind of understand that the, the api the input output of, of what we're trying to do um i would love yeah i don't know how to solve this like i he, conceptually what we do here's what we do right mm-hmm. we build we build a a mobile app and we make it go viral. That's what we do, right? And then once it's viral, we just keep feeding all of this great art and music in. Mm-hmm. And I used to do music recommendation. We just build a collaborative filter, and which is a kind of way to make you know recommend items to people based mm-hmm. upon what they like. And we start giving people what they like, and we pay attention to what they like, and we make the models better. So all we need to do is make that app go viral. All, right. <laughs> one simple thing. In fact, <laughs> maybe someone in the Y Combinator world can help us do that, right? Yeah, it's like sliding between cow and trombone. Exactly. What's the best sound? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Maybe maybe that particular web app is not the right answer. No, I mean, I'm saying that as a joke, but I think look at it this way: if we if we can find a way, or, or the community in general can find a way for machine generated mm-hmm. media to be to be sort of out there for a large group of interested users to play with, I think we can learn from that signal and I think we can learn to improve. Mm. And if we do, we'll make quite a nice contribution to machine learning. Mm. We will, we will, we will learn to improve based upon human feedback to generate something of interest. So that's a great goal. Yeah. But I'm totally like today in this room, you know, I wish I could tell you we had a secret, we had like a secret plan, you know, like we're, you know, Oh, he's figured it out. The, the app's going to launch tomorrow. It's yep. like it's really hard it's work. Like bleep cut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, interest. Okay, because I was wondering what kind of data you were getting back from artists. You know, do people just use use all of your projects? Uh, you know, all of the repos to create things of their own interest, or are they pushing back valuable data to you? So we're getting we're getting some valuable data back, and. I think what we're getting back, some of the signals that we're getting back are giving us such an obvious direction for improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, like, why would I want to run a Python command to generate a thousand MIDI files? That's not what we do. You know, like, <laughs> like, like you get that kind of feedback. And you're like, okay, we wanted this command line version because, you know, we needed to be able to test some things. But if musicians are really going to use the music part of what yeah. we're doing, we have to provide them with more fluid and more useful tools. And there, I think we're, we're still sitting with so many obvious hard problems to solve like integration with something like Ableton or like really solid, um, you know, real time IO and things like that, yeah. that we know what to work on. But I think we'll get to the point pretty quickly where we'll have something that's kind of 
solves the obvious problems, mm -hmm. plugs in reasonably well mm -hmm. to your workflow, and you can start to generate some things and you can play with sound. And then, then we need to be much more careful about, um, about, you know, the questions we ask and, and how good we are at listening to, mm -hmm. to how people use what we're doing. Mm. And so what, what are artists using it for at this, at this point? Right now, so we have most of what we've done so far has had to do with music. Yeah. Um, if we, if we look for a second away from music and look at sketch RNN, which is a, a model that learned to draw, we've actually seen quite a bit of, so first at a more, at a higher level, yeah. sketch RNN is a recurrent neural network trained on sketches to make sketches. And the, the sketches came from uh, a game that Google released called Quick Draw, mm -hmm. where people had 20 seconds to draw something to try to win at Pictionary with a, with a computer, you know, a, a classifier counterpart. And so, you know, we train a model that can generate new cats or dogs or whatever. There's some really cool classes in there. Um, a cruise ship is nice. Yeah. The one that always threw me was camouflage. Like it calls out <laughs> camouflage all the time. And right. Like I've never, yeah. <laughs> as, as if by definition you can't draw it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Right. Pause for 20 <laughs> exactly. seconds. Right. Or... right. Yeah. I, I actually won a Pictionary round with the word white and I just pointed <laughs> at the paper and I'm like, no way. And she said, white. I'm like, yes. you gotta be kidding. Yeah. Right. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> it's kind of like a yeah. corollary to camouflage. Um, so we've seen artists start to like, sample from the model we've uh -huh. seen artists using the model as like a as as a distance measure to look for weird oh. examples okay. because the model has an idea of what's probable in the space um we've also seen artists just playing around with the raw data mm -hmm. um and so there's been a nice explosion there i think you know i'm not expecting that artists really do a huge amount with with this quick draw data because as cool as it is these things were drawn in 20 seconds right there's kind of a limit to how much we can do with them um on the music side we've had um, a number of people playing with with nsynth with just like dumps of samples from nsynth mm -hmm. so basically like a, a rudimentary uh uh synthesizer and there i've been surprised at the um the kind of i would expect that if you're really good at this so like your Aphex Twin, or you, you want, how about this? You want to be Aphex Twin, right? That you look at this and go, yeah, whatever. There are 50 other tools that I have that yeah. I can use. But that, those are the people that we found have been the most interested. Oh. Because I think, I think we are generating some sounds that are, that are new. I mean, so first you can, as someone pointed out on, on Hacker News, you can take a few, <laughs> a few uh, oscillators and a noise generator yep. and make something new. But I think these are new in a way, um, when you start sampling the space between, uh, you know, a trombone and a flute or something like that, that these are new in a way that, that capture some very nice harmonic properties, capture some of the essence of the Brian Eno quote mm -hmm. are kind of, kind of broken and glitchy and edgy in a way. Um, but that glitchiness is not, um, the same as you would get from like a uh, digital clipping. Mm -hmm. The glitchiness sounds really harmonic. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, um, like for example, Jesse on our team, Jesse Engel, he built some Ableton plugin where, you're listening to these notes, but you're able to change the, um, like e erase the beginnings of the notes. So you like erase the onsets, which is usually where most of the information is. <laughs> like most of the information in a piano note is kind of that first percussive onset, mm -hmm. but it's the onsets that the model is doing such a great job of reproducing because it gradually kind of moves away from in time. It's a temporal embedding and okay. the noise kind of adds up as we move through the embedding in time. So it's the tails of these notes that start to get ringy and like they'll detune and you'll hear these rushes of noise come in or there'll be this little weird whoop at the end. Mm. And so like we found that that musicians who've actually played with sound a lot find these particular sounds 
immensely fascinating. I think they're the kinds of sounds that are that sound interesting in a way that's hard to describe unless you've played with them. Yeah. I think they're interesting because the model has been forced to capture some of the important sources of variance in real music audio. Mm -hmm. And even when it fails to reproduce all of them, when it fills in with confusion, so to speak, mm -hmm. even that confusion is, is somehow driven by musical sound. Mm -hmm. And, um, which, you know, you see by the corollary, you know, if you look at something like Deep Dream and you see what models are doing when they're sort of showing you what they've learned, it may not be what you expect from the world, but there's something kind of interesting about them, right? Um, anyway, it's a long answer, but the short version of the answer is we found that working with very talented musicians has been, has been really fruitful. Mm. And our challenge is now to be good enough at what we do and make it easy enough and make it clean enough that even someone who's not an Aphex Twin... And I'm not saying we worked with Aphex Twin. We didn't work with Aphex Twin. But like, you know, that kind of, that that kind of artist, yeah, yeah, that we can also be saying, hey, this is really like genuinely musically engaging for a much, much larger audience. That's surprising. So it's, it's not necessarily generating melodies for people so much as it is generating interesting sounds. That's what's brought them in? That's what's brought them in. Though the parallel has existed for um, the sequence generation stuff. Yeah. And... What I noticed, even with AI Duet, which is this um, like web-based, like it's a simple RNN. It's like I can lay claim it's it's technology that was published in two thousand two. <laughs> it's really a very simple, it's really uh, fun though, really yeah. simple. But like, so like, so this model, if you haven't, if, you know, if your viewers haven't seen it, you you play a little melody and then the model thinks for a minute, and the AI genius, which is an LSTM network, comes back and plays something back to you, right? Mm -hmm. If you play for Elise, you know, da 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 da, -da right, and you wait you're expecting maybe, you know, that it'll continue the tune. It's not going to, right? It's going to go, da 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 right? <laughs> so, like, this idea of, like, expecting the model to, like, carry these long arcs of melody along is not really understanding the model. Mm. What we saw was, like, like especially jazz musicians, but, like, musicians who, who listen, mm. the game they play is to follow the model. And so they'll, like, I'd see guys or people, women, too, sit down and go, like, you know, dum, 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 and just wait. And it's almost like pinging the model with an impulse response, like, what's this thing going to do? Yeah. And then instead of trying to drive it, it comes back and goes, dum, 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 right? Yeah. And then, and then the musician says, oh, I see. Let's go up to the fifth. And, and then you get this really, it's almost like follow the leader, yeah. but you're following the model. And then it's super fun. And like, it's basically a challenge for the musician oh. to, to try to understand how to play along with something that's so primitive, right? right? But if you don't have the musical, so basically it's the musician bringing all the skill to the table, right? Yeah. So like even even with the the primitive sequence generation stuff, like it's still been interesting to see that it's it's the musicians with a lot of musical talent and particularly the ability to improvise and listen that have managed to actually get what I would consider interesting results out of out of that. So yeah, so it's become more of like a like a call and response game than a tool. Yeah, I think so. I think it, and that's partially because the model, the model's pretty primitive. I think okay. that we can, um, you know, if we can get the data pipelines in order so that we know what we're training on and we can actually do some more modern, um, uh, sequence learning, yeah. um, you know, having like, like generative adversarial feedback and things like that, we can do much better. Mm. And even we have some, some stuff that we haven't released yet that I think is better. Um, but yeah, I think as we make it better, it'll be more of a, this model is going to give me some more ideas from what I've done. Mm. Right now, it's more of a, this model's kind of weird, but I'm going to kind of try to understand what it's doing. Okay. Both it, are fun modes, by the way. Yeah. Like, they're both cool modes, right? Yeah. I've, I mean, I've enjoyed it. Like, I'm, I'm definitely not a pianist. Uh, I mean, I've played guitar before, and I've, I tried to get a song going, but I, I had trouble with it. 
Um, and We're so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's mostly my fault, to be honest. Uh, blame, I love the YouTube video. Blame the user, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the video where some where that guy played a song with it mm-hmm. that was amazing. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, that was very cool. Yeah, was Have fun. you seen a lot of that stuff as well? Yeah, we've seen. We saw like we haven't. I haven't. Well, we haven't pushed the sequence generation stuff much because we we really wanted to focus on on tamper. Yeah. Um, but when we have released things and and kind of tried to show people we're there, yeah, we've gotten. If you look on them, there's the magenta. There's a magenta mailing list that's just okay. like it's linked in you know, G.co magenta. And if you look around, there's like a discussion list, which is like. As flamey and spammy as some discussion lists, but a little bit less so. It's pretty that you know, every couple weeks someone will put up some stuff they composed with Magenta, and usually they're more effective if they've layered their own stuff on top of it, or they've you know taken time offline rather than in performance to to generate. But some stuff's actually quite good. I think it's hmm. fun. It's a start. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. And so, how like you compared it to you know the work you did in two thousand two? Um, where is LSTM gone since then? Like, you know, you, you talk about like, you ended up doing this project. I saw in your talk that because you kind of like failed at it a while ago. (laughs) Failure is good. Yeah. Yeah. So the, there was a point in time I was at, um, in a, at a lab called ITSIA, the Dalamoli Institute for Artificial Intelligence. And I was working for Jürgen Schmidhuber, who's one of the co-authors. He was the advisor to Sepp Hockreiter, who did the, who did LSTM. And there was a point in time where there were three of us in a room in Mano, Switzerland, which is a suburb of Lugano, Switzerland, who were the only people in the world using LSTM. It was myself, Felix Garris, and Alex Graves. Wow. Among the three of us, by far, Alex Graves has done the most with LSTM. So he continued after he, he finished his PhD, and he continued doggedly to try to understand how recurrent neural networks worked, how to train them, and how to make them useful for sequence learning. I think more than more than anybody else in the world, including Sepp, the, the person who created LSTM. Okay. You know, Alex just stuck with it and and finally started to get wins on, you know, in, in speech and language, right? And and I more or less put down LSTMs. I started working with audio audio stuff and other more like cognitively driven music stuff at University of Montreal. But like it worked finally, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it was, you know, like there's this thing in music, uh, a 20 year overnight success, right? Yeah, Somebody yeah. else like <laughs> this worked because he stuck with it. And, and now, of course, it's, you know, become like sort of the touchstone for, you know, recurrent models in time series analysis. It forms some version of it forms the core of what we're doing with translation. I mean, these models have changed, right? They've evolved over time, but basically, you know, recurrent neural networks as a family of models um, um, is around because, because of that effort of like, it's interesting, right? It's really, there really were three of us and Felix went on with his life and um, I went on with my life and Alex stuck with us kind of really one person carrying forward. But, you may get letters from people saying, "Hey, wait! You forgot about me. You forgot about me." This is this is a little bit reductionist. Obviously, there were more, but it right. felt that way at the time, right? right? What was the breakthrough, breakthrough then that like got people interested? I think it was the same breakthrough that got people interested in deep neural networks and convolutional neural networks. It's that these models don't work that well um, with small training sets. Okay. And um, small models, so like and that, ImageNet, yeah, like that they're data like that. they're data absorptive, and meaning that they can absorb lots of data if they have it. And you know, neural networks as a class are really good with high dimensional data. And so, as machines got faster and memory got bigger, hmm. they they started to work. So you know, we were working with really small machines, and like working with LSTM networks that were you know maybe had like fifty to a hundred hidden units, mm-hmm. and then a couple of gates to control them. 
and trying things that had to do with like the dynamics of, of how these things can count and how they can like follow um, time series. So you try to scale that to speech or you try to scale that to, um, you know, speech recognition was one of the first things. This is really hard to do. Um, so I think a lot of this is just due to having faster machines and more memory. Hmm. It's kind of weird, right? Uh, it's surprising that yeah. that would be it. Yeah, I think it surprises everybody a little bit. Yeah. Now the running joke, like having coffee here at Brain, is sort of like like what what other technology from the '80s should we rescue? Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is like I mean, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> AI's back. Exactly right. Uh, uh, how far have you pushed LSTM? Like, you know, um, obviously there's some amount of like text generation that that people are trying out. Um, you know, have you let it create an entire song? No, we haven't because we haven't um, got the conditional part of it right yet. So I think um, like LSTM in its most vanilla form, I think everybody's pretty convinced that it's not going to handle really long time scale hierarchical patterning. Um, And um, I'd love it if someone comes along and and says, no, you don't need anything but vanilla LSTM to do this. But, you know, I think what makes music interesting over, you know, even after like five seconds or 10 seconds is this idea that, you know, you're, you're getting repetition you're, you're getting, uh, you know, harmonic shifts like chord changes. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a there there, mm-hmm. right? And um, one way to talk about that there there is that, you know, you have some lower level pattern generation going on, but there's some conditioning happening. Oh, now continue generating, but the condition shifted. We just shifted chords, for example. And so um, I think if we start talking about conditional models, if we talk about models that are explicitly hierarchical, um, if we talk about models that we can sample from in different ways, mm-hmm. we can start to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I think... Um, you know, only a recurrent neural network is, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it would be reductionist to say that it's the the whole answer. And it's in fact true. It's not the whole answer. Mm. I I was thinking about how you were, um, was it the TensorFlow or the IO talk where you're talking about Bach? Um, Oh, probably, um, Oh, that we did stuff that was like more Bach than Bach. Yeah. We nailed it. Um, Yeah. That's like you start making (laughs) things that like, are you know more palatable yeah. it's like i'll make the best picasso painting for sure. you but yeah. it's not necessarily a picasso painting because right. it's not necessarily saying anything precisely right so i think i think by analogy so first in case it's not clear i don't believe that we made something that was better than bach <laughs> but when we put these tunes out for like untrained listeners to listen to they yeah. sometimes voted them as sounding more bachy and i think it's imagine like um, what these models are learning, right? They're learning kind of the principal axes of variance. They're learning what's most important. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to, right? Because they have their, they have a limited memory. They're compressed, right? So if you sample from sketch RNN with, with very low temperature, meaning with like, without a lot of noise in the system, you actually get what, like, if you want to squint your eyes and, and, and break philosophy is like the platonic cat. You know, you get a cat that looks more like a cat anyone would draw, mm-hmm. sort of the average cat. And I think that's sort of what we're getting from these time series models as well. They, they're kind of giving you something that's more uh, a caricature than than a sample, right? Oh. <laughs> um, so, th- so then, in the creation of art, like, what are you, um, what are you predicting is going to happen, like, as as Magenta progresses? I think in um, can I make predictions that are on the time frame of like twenty eight to forty years yeah, when sure, no one will, no one will ever test in a thousand years Ma- in a thousand years Magenta is going to be the only no. <laughs> um, joking aside I um, I I do believe that the machine learning and AI will continue to, like will become part of the toolkit for for communicating and for for expression including mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. Um, I think that in the same way I, I think that it's healthy for me to admit that that those of us who are doing this engineering won't almost by definition know 
where it's going to go. We we can't and we shouldn't know where it's going to go. I think our job is to build um, to build smart, you know, AI smart t- tools. Mm. At the same time, I want to point out like some people find that answer boring, like it's a um, it's hedging. But I do think there are directions. I can imagine directions we could go in that would be really cool. For example, um, thinking of literature, right? Um, I think I think plot is really interesting mm-hmm. in stories, and that that you you can imagine that that we have a particular way as humans, like the kind of cognitive constraints that we have, mm-hmm. of like kind of limitations and how how we would how we would draw plots out, you know, as an as an author, and you, you're not going to do it in one pass left to right, like in a recurrent neural network, it's going to be like sketching out the plot and do we kill this character off? But I kind of can imagine that generative models might be able to generate plots that are, that are really, really difficult for people to generate, but still make sense to us as readers, right? Oh, like, man. Okay. you know, yeah. it's think of it, think of, or if you flip it around, like I think jokes are hard because it's really hard to generate the surprising turns and, and the, the re like kind of like you go in one direction and you land over here, but it still makes sense. And I can imagine that, that the right kind of language model mm. might be able to generate jokes that are super, super funny to us. Mm-hmm. And that actually might have a flavor to them of being like, yeah, I know this joke must've been machine generated because it fits in so many different ways. Right. Right. It like yeah. this high dimension, it yeah. like fits in so many different ways and in, in, in a math way, like in a high dimensional space, but it's super funny to us. Like, like, I don't know how to do that, but I can totally imagine that we would be in a world where we get that. I thought about it in the complete opposite way, but that makes sense. I was thinking about it, um, you know, training it to create pulp fiction. Like that'd be so simple in my mind. Like, oh, you know, right. just create these like airport novels. They, it can just like bang out the plots. Um, I mean, that's probably where we'll start. I mean, I would love it if we could write so so everybody understands that that's listening or watching. You know, we we can we can't generate a coherent paragraph, right? So, like, you know, <laughs> right. I don't mean we magenta. I mean kind of we humanity. Right? It's like I can't write at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, it's really hard. Like, and it it all hits it all. I think it all hits at structure at some level. Like you know, nested structure, whether it's music or I think there's like like it, art plays with geometry or color or something else. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's. It's it's meaning. It's mm. you know it's nested structure somewhere. And it, and has the art world or you know uh, I guess any kind of artist, any kind of creator, have people pushed back in the way that they're scared? You know, I imagine when photography came out, everyone was pushing back, saying like this this might end painting because it's about you know photography captures the essence. But then it ended up changing because people realized that that painting wasn't just about capturing something, you know, capturing an exact moment. Certainly. Um the 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 generative art world and we've seen lots of that yeah. another researcher in in london um someone posted on his facebook something like or he posted to us a tweet that was like what you're doing is bad for humanity and it's <laughs> like really like he's making like new folk songs right it's okay. like generating folk songs with an lsdm this is bob's term i'm like it's probably not bad for humanity so yeah of course yeah. but like what i love about that is you know it's okay if a bunch of people don't like it yeah. And in fact, if it's interesting, what art does everybody like? Zero. Right. Or it's really boring, right? Right. So you have this idea that like, if you want to really engage with people, you're probably going to find an audience. That audience is going to be some slice. Mm. Frankly, it's probably going to be some slice coming up from the next generation of people that have experienced technology, that are taking some things for granted, that are still novel to someone like myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and... Uh, um, but it's, you know, 
it's okay if a bunch of people don't like it. Like, yeah, because well, when we were talking before, I was I was surprised that you hadn't gotten more pushback. It seems to be like most people in our world are just like, oh, okay, whatever. It's like do your thing. It's kind of opening up new territory rather than it is like you know challenging. I think that I've gotten I've gotten pushback in terms of questions. I think. Yeah. We have, and I say, I think this is as a community in Google and outside of Google and outside of Magenta, I think people are really clear that what's interesting about a project like this is that it be a tool, not a replacement. Mm-hmm. It's, and I, I, I thought, I think more, I think if we, if we presented this as, you know, push this button and you'll get your finished music, it would be a very different story, but it's kind of boring. So you know, I think I mean, it's super, yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's funny you mentioned Hacker News because I was talking with uh, one of the moderators. <laughs> we love before. you, Hacker News. Be yeah, nice no, to they're us. Great. No, they're great. <laughs> like, it, you know, it's just impersonal. It's so easy to critique people. But uh, I was talking with Scott, one of the moderators, and he was, um, he was wondering if you guys were concerned with the actual like cathartic feeling of creating music or if that's just something you, you don't even consider right now. I mean, as, as people, we have course. You and have I, to. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, there's a couple of levels there. I think you lose that if what you're just doing is pushing a button. And like, so I think this is everywhere. The drum machine is such a great, mm-hmm. a great thing to fall back on. It is just not fun to just like push the button like and make the drum machine do its canned patterns. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the goal. My sense of the reading that I've done is just like, this will make it really easy, right? But like what makes the drum machine interesting is people working with it, writing their own, you know, writing their own loops or their own patterns, changing it, working against it, working mm. with it. And so, um, you know, I, th- I think this project loses its interest if, if we don't have people getting that cathartic release, which I believe me, I understand what you mean. That's thing one. The other thing I would mention is, um, I, if, if there's anything that we're not getting that I wish we were getting more of is creative people, people coding creatively, right? We talk about creative coding and it like this kind of hand wavy sense, but like, yeah. like, like I would love to have the right kind of mix of models in Magenta and in open source linking to other projects that you as a coder could come in and actually say, I'm going to code for the evening and add some things. I'm going to maybe retrain. I'm going to, maybe I'm going to hack data and I'm going to get the effect that I want. And that part of what you're doing is being an artist by coding. Sure. And I think we haven't hit that yet in Magenta. And I, I'd love to like get feedback from whomever, like in terms of ways to get there. Mm. The point is, there's a certain catharsis for those of us that train the model. You get the model to train. You know, it's <laughs> it works. Like, you know, it's like it's fine. You won't, you'll be bored if you just push the button. But it feels good for me to push that button because <laughs> I'm the one that made that button work. You know. So there's okay. that, right? You know, it's yeah. a creative act in its own right. Mm. And and have people been like uh creatively breaking the code like oh it would be funny if it did this or interesting if it did that um a few though i think our code is so easy like most open source projects need to be rewritten a couple times and i think you know we've gone through we're on our second rewrite um is that if the code is brittle enough that it's easy to break uncreatively then it's hard to also break it creatively and listen i'm being pretty critical i'm i'm actually I'm really proud of the quality of, of the Magenta open source effort. Mm-hmm. Actually, I actually think we have, you know, well-tested, well-thought-out code. I think it's just a really hard problem to do coding for art and music. And that, yeah. you know, if you get it wrong a little bit, it's just wrong enough that you have to fix it. And yeah. so, um, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. So then where does where does that, like, creative coder world go? I, I've seen a lot of people that are concerned with, like, even just preserving. I think Rhizome is doing the Preserving Digital Art Project. Yeah. Um, what direction do you think that's going to go in? Presumably, a number of cool directions in parallel. The one that the one that interests me personally the most is um, 
is reinforcement learning. And this idea that, um, you know, models trained, so there's a long story or a short story. Which one do you want? Long, for okay, sure. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, so we yeah. know <laughs> it's not that bad. So, you know, generative models 101, you start generating from a model trained just to, um, to um, be able to regenerate the data it's trained on. You tend to get um, output that's blurry, right? Mm-hmm. Or is just kind of wandery. And that's because all the model learns to do is kind of sit somewhere on the, the big, Imagine the, the distribution as a, a mountain as a mountain range and it just sits on the high mountain. Kind of plays it safe. Yeah, yeah. kind of plays it safe. All t-shirts are gray if you're colorizing because that's safe. You're not going to get punished. And you know, one revolution that came along thanks to Ian Goodfellow is this idea of a generative adversarial network mm-hmm. that is a different. It's a different uh, cost for the model to, to 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 minimize, where the model is actually trying to counter you know create counterfeits and it's forced to not just play it safe, right? I don't know how if this is too technical. It's very interesting to me. I, yeah, this was part of the talk, right? Where you like cut out the square. In <clears throat> yeah, the yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 I saw that part. So another way to do this is to use reinforcement learning. Yeah. As, and and it it's slower to train because all you have is a, a single number scalar reward mm-hmm. instead of this whole gradient flowing than, than GANs, but it also is more flexible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my story here is that the GANs are part of a larger family of models that are at some level critical. Everybody okay. needs a critic. And they're 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 pushing back, and they're pushing you off of your pushing you out of your safe spot, whatever mm-hmm. that safe spot is, and that's helping you uh, be able to do a better job of generating. We have a particular idea that you can use reinforcement learning to um, provide reward for following a certain set of rules or a certain set of heuristics. Okay. And this is normally like if you mention rules at a at a machine learning dinner party, everybody looks at you funny, right? <laughs> like you're stepping backward. Yeah, right? you're not supposed to use rules. Come on, we don't use rules. But instead of building the rules into the model, like the 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 AI is not rules. The machine learning is not rules. It's that the rules are out there in the world, and you get rewarded for following them. And we had, I thought, some very nice uh, generated samples of music that were pretty boring with the with the LSTM network. But then the LSTM network trained additionally using uh, a kind of reinforcement learning called deep Q learning to follow some of these rules. The, the, the generation got way different and way better mm. and specifically got catchier. What were the rules? The rules were like rules of composition for counterpoint from the 1800s. They were okay. super simple. <laughs> yeah. Now, we don't care about those rules. Okay. But there's a really nice creative coding aspect, which is, think of it this way. I have a ton of data. I have a model that's trained. I have a generative model whatever it may be. It may be one trained to draw, it may be one trained for music. Mm-hmm. And that model has kind of tried to disentangle all the sources of variance that are, you know, that are sitting in this data. And so it's smartly generated, you know, can generate new things. Mm-hmm. But now, now think like, as long as I can write a bit of code that takes a sample from the model mm-hmm. and evaluates it, providing scalar reward, anything I stuff in that evaluator then I can get like the generator to try to do a better job of generating stuff that makes that evaluator happy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be 18th century rules of counterpoint, no. right? Yeah. So you could imagine like taking something like sketch RNN and adding a reinforcement learning model that says, I really hate straight lines. And suddenly the model is going to try to learn to draw cats yeah. But without straight lines, the data is telling it to draw cats. Sometimes the cats have triangular ears with straight lines, but the model is going to get rewarded for trying to draw those cats that it can right. without drawing straight lines. Right. And straight lines was just one constraint that I picked off the top of my head. It has to be a constraint that you can measure in the output of the model. Mm-hmm. But like musically speaking, 
if I could come up with an evaluator that described what I meant in my mind by shimmery, really fast changing, small local changes, I should be able to get like a kind of music that sounds shimmery by adding that reward mm -hmm. to an existing model. And furthermore, the model still retains like the, the kind of nice realness that it gets from being trained on data. Mm. I'm not trying to come up with a rule to generate shimmery. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to come up with a rule that rewards a model for generating for something shimmery. that's shimmery. Yeah, it's very is. different, right? Yeah. So I think that's one really interesting direction to go in is yeah. like opening up the ability. If you can generate scalar reward and drop it in this box over here, and we'll, we'll take a model that's already trained on data and we'll tilt it to do mm. what you want it to do. That kind of underlies a fear that people have, right? Which is like, what happens when you can create the best pop song? Mm -hmm. and, and what do people do? And do you have thoughts on like, is A, is that possible? And B, what would the world look like if that world comes to be? I think that it is, I had an algorithm for doing this, which is, <laughs> which is for the best pop song for me, which is when we used to sell used CDs, it was usually like a two to one. Okay. So every time, if you have a thousand CDs and you trade them in and you have 500 that you like better <laughs> and you just kind of keep going right you <laughs> so finally you get that one yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. um hill climbing in that space yeah i think that um what i so i'm not sure like uh, uh, part of me wants to say people love the kind of rawness and the variety of 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 things that aren't kind of predictable pop but let's face it like people love pop music of even the, like there's a kind of pop music that you'll catch on the radio sometimes that isn't like, like almost like most of your listeners are probably in the same camp or viewers. Like, like there's pop that we love. Like, yeah. you know, like I love the poppiest of Frank Ocean's music. I can listen to it forever, but then there's like, just like, there's like the gutter of pop. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe you like we'll, can't even know. distinguish who the artist is, but yeah. like they play at the big festivals. So I, I guess that kind of unasks the perfect pop. I mean, pop is such a broad thing. Yeah. But yeah, I think like I can imagine that with, with machine learning and AI at the table, we'll, we will, here's another way to look at it. Like some things that used to be hard will be easy. Right. And so we'll offload all of that. And if people are happy just listening to the stuff that's now easy, right. Then yeah, it's a problem solved and we'll be able to generate lots of it. But then what people tend to do is go look for something else hard. Right. It's like the drum machine argument. So you've yeah. solved the you've solved the metronomic you've solved you've solved the metronomic, you know, beat problem. And then what you actually find is that artists who are really good at this, they play off of it and they're allowed like when they sing to do many more like rhythmical things than they could do before because mm. now they have this the scaffolding they didn't have to work with before. They just constantly break it, yeah. right? As soon as you distorted yeah. the electric guitar. But I hope that's an honest answer to your question. I mean, your question was a different flavor. It's like, hey, yeah. are we really moving towards a world where we're going to generate the perfect pop song? Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I don't feel like that's going to happen um but you know maybe it happens so quickly and then as soon as we realize like okay this is how we're going to break it this is how we're going to retrain ourselves yeah it can learn so fast that it's like okay now i can do that too yeah and that's like, yeah that's nice like, other than <laughs> i can do that too um so then uh what like what i was wondering is there like in in you know the next like handful of years is there like a holy grail that you're working toward uh, for Magento, like, okay, now we've hit it. Like, this is the benchmark that we're going for. There are a couple of, um, there are a couple of things I'd love to do. Um, I think, I think comp composing, com creating long form pieces, okay. whether they're, whether they're music or art, I think is, is something we want to do. And this hints at this idea of like, not just having these things that make sense at like 20 seconds of music time, but actually say something more. 
that that direction is really interesting because I think that not only so let's face it that would be at least more interesting if you push the button and listen to it <laughs> but also this this leads to like tools where composers can offload very interesting things mm. like some people some people I'm, I'm one of these people I'm really obsessed with like expressive timing I'm really obsessed with musical texture okay I, I'm, I don't know what that is oh no I just mean like um Let's say you're playing the piano. Oh, I you know, saw like, in, the, in the gray art space or the gray talk. You were con- contrasting the piano played uh, yeah, by the you, computer. Yeah, you did your homework. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I just but watched like, a bunch of YouTube videos. So, you know, you know, if you listen to someone play waltz, it'll have a little lilt yeah. to it. Or like yeah. some of my favorite musicians like Thelonious Monk. If you're familiar, if you're not familiar with yeah. Thelonious Monk homework, go listen to him. He played piano with a very, very specific style that almost sounded lurching sometimes it was very he really cared about time in a way and mm. and so like if you if you if the way that you're thinking about music and composition is really really caring about kind of local stuff right it'd be very very interesting if you had a model mm. that would handle for you some of the decisions that you would make for longer time scale things like like when do chord changes happen right so like usually it's the other way around you have mm. these ai you know machine learning models can handle local texture but you have to <laughs> have to decide that so um yeah, it, my point is, if, if we get to models that can handle longer structure and nested structure, we'll have a lot more ways in which we can decide what we want to work okay. on versus what we, we have the, 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 the machine help us with, right? Okay. And has this now, um, has it affected your creative work? Or do, or do you still do, like, creative, like, composition? Yeah, so the, I, I'm... I'm working here at Google and you know, this is like a coal mine of work to do this project magenta, like every day. No, joking aside. Um, yeah, as we're, yeah, plus two kids, (laughs) plus two kids. Yeah, no, I basically, I've been using music as a, as more of like a catharsis relaxation thing. I don't, I don't feel like personally I've done anything, um, recently that I would consider like creative of a level that I want to share with someone else. It's been more like jamming with friends or like, you know, just like throwaway compositions jamming like here's 10 chords that sound good let's jam over it for the evening and then like don't even remember it the next day <laughs> um and really trying hard to understand this creative coding thing like that's something yeah. else i've worked on i've a lot of it's just like i'll start and then i'll get distracted um but uh yeah so that's sort of the level of my creative output i'm afraid well the creative coding thing it's seemingly i don't know so many people are looking for it in every venue and it's so difficult to find people you know, they're just kind of like one-offs now yeah i think that's right it's so it's so hard to have the right I think maybe you know maybe we need the garage band of this like you know we need to have like something that's so well put together that it makes it easy for a whole generation of people to jump in and try this even yeah. if they haven't had you know like four four or five years of python experience or I didn't like know if that's what you were alluding to when you were saying that it, you know command line obviously not the way to do it where it dumps midi files but now it's an it's an api right yeah. and like what what is the next step that's yeah. very obvious Try to make it try to make it more usable and more more expressive, right? Expressivity is hard in an API, right? You know, it's like it's so hard to get it right, and I think it, it's almost always multiple passes. So um, we've got, um, I think, the API, the core API that allows us to move music around in real time in MIDI, yeah. and actually have a, a meaningful conversation between an AI model and and multiple musicians uh-huh. is there. And uh, there's just a bunch more thinking that needs to happen, right? to get it right cool so if if someone wants to become a creative coder or wants to learn more about you guys what what would you advise them to check out so i would i would say the the call to action for us is to visit visit our site the shortest url is g.co slash magenta okay interest it's also magenta.tensorflow.org we can link it all g.core and and like have a look at um we have some open issues we have um we have a bunch of code that you can like install on your computer and and hope you can make work and, and maybe you will be able to um and uh, you know we 
we you know we want feedback we have a pretty active and we certainly follow our discussion list closely mm-hmm. and um our game for philosophical discussions and our game for um technical discussions and uh you know beyond that we just we're just kind of keeping rolling like we're just going to try to keep keep doing research and keep trying to build this community okay great thanks man sure no it's fun all right thanks for listening so if you want to get started using magenta you can check out magenta.tensorflow.org And if you want to watch the video, which we filmed in one of Google's very swanky libraries, you can check out blog.ycommodator.com. Okay, see you next time.